2: On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors smack the San Antonio Spurs 143-100. We will dig into the wreckage that the Raptors wrought upon a not-very-good Spurs team that was without its two best players, but still... Raptors look pretty darn good. We're going to talk about their transition game. We're going to talk about OG Ananobi becoming a defensive monster, even more so than he was before somehow. And so much more with Jamar Hines on today's episode. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, like because when I shot I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. So. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your
0: team every day.
2: Going on, welcome to episode number 1274 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, uh, November the third. I'm your host Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons. You can find my substack post touches. If you just go to my pinned tweet on Twitter, it's at Woodley Sean. If you want to follow me over there, the show is at Locked On Raptors. You can follow, subscribe to rate, review the show your favorite audio podcast apps and we are of course on youtube each and every day you can subscribe hit the big red button to do so and you've done a great service and i appreciate you so so much if you've done so all right on today's show boy the spurs were uh ill-equipped i would say to uh, contend with the toronto raptors in their game on Wednesday night, the Raptors win by 43 points. They uh, basically just run down the Spurs' throat all night long. You get a triple-double from Pascal Siakam. You get O.G. Ananobi with five more steals to add to his league-leading total. And here to break it all down is our pal Jamar Hines from Raptors Republic, our bi-weekly returning Thursday guest. Jamar, how's it going, man?
3: Yes, I am back. I'm happy to be here, and yeah, let's
2: let's do it. The people have been clamoring for tomorrow. It's uh, just uh, everyone's happy you're back. So I'm glad you're here. And man, there's a lot to get to from this game. It was an easy sort of uh, walk to a win after at one point the Spurs led 38-37. The Raptors went and outscored them. Oh, what's the math on that? 106 to 62 for the rest of the game. Uh pretty wild stuff. Just a really really impressive dominating performance, taking care of business against a team that didn't have Evan Bissell Keldon Johnson so you expected them to win but it's always nice when you see a big blowout you get to keep all of your starters under 30 minutes when all of your starters have just about equal plus minus totals to the minutes they played uh (laughs) it's a it's a pretty good day I would say um we're gonna get into OG Ananobi and his defense and all that it's all the good it's bringing we're gonna get to the good the bad and the hmm as we usually do on these game recap shows but let's start off Jamar With what was my biggest takeaway of the game, and mostly a takeaway I kind of landed on after perusing some numbers after the game, uh, is that the Raptors are kind of solving basketball with transition, Uh, at least in the early going, a pair of wins in which you combine for 82 fast break points or 84 fast break points, which is, like, I think the third highest total I saw uh, on Twitter. I think uh, the wonderful Kirthika from TSN was the one to point this out. Uh, Like, yeah, 84 fast break points over two games is the third highest. Total over two games in some very long time, which is incredible. Uh, and as a result, because small samples are weird, you get the Raptors with just some hilarious tilted numbers uh, across all the stat sites with their transition game. But let's start, Jamar. Just what were your impressions of the Raptors? What have been your impressions of the Raptors? We don't necessarily have to keep it confined to this one game against a very bad Spurs team. Um, just the way the Raptors have been really prioritizing transition once again this season. I'm kind of curious your thoughts on how it's looked, uh, and maybe some differences between the way it looked last year. When and they did it a whole bunch, but didn't score very well in those situations versus now where they're doing it more than anybody else and also scoring more efficiently than anybody else per cleaning the glass.
3: Well, I'm going to play off this game a little bit more, but (laughs) the pace was insane.
2: It was like a pong game,
3: yeah. (laughs) Um, The Spurs lead the league in pace. Mm-hmm. which is something that's surprising to me considering, you know, old Popovich teams. Like, this was just never their thing. They were always the uh, half-court set-up, beautiful offense, passing all over the place type of thing. But mm-hmm. this is a new type of Spurs team with a bunch of young players, so they want to run. And that totally played in the Raptors' hands yesterday, especially when the Spurs were turning over the ball. Uh, the Spurs... Sorry, the, Ra- the Raptors had 106 shots. Yeah. <laughs> so, like... The first few games, the first few games of the season, were all in the mid '80s, like '84, '86, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Then against the Hawks, that went up to '92, and mm-hmm. then he jumped to 106. So yeah. that that speaks for itself. Um, there was a very, very, very clear um, game plan to push the ball every single chance they got. You would see Scotty get the get the get a rebound and immediately look for the football pass down court or the, the outlet pass to, to, to start a break it kind of reminded me of what larry used to do where he would just lo- just log the ball down court and, and get the offense initiated right away um whether that was off a make or a miss it kind of rem- it kind of reminded me of um Dantoni's uh sun top and seven seconds or less for a little bit there. Cause yeah, they were yeah. they were flying down the court, especially the, the first quarter and the third quarter. Um, I'm sure we're gonna talk about the defense a little bit more, but he, anytime oh, someone yes. got a steal, like Ananobi, for example, he was launching that ball way down court. So yeah, that was definitely an emphasis and yeah, you know, 44 sorry, 41 fast break points.
1: And yeah, it was forty three on Monday, I think. Forty three yeah. on
3: Monday. So yeah, they've definitely taken advantage of that. And um so obviously some a lot some teams won't play that fast and they won't be mm-hmm. able to go on to break that much. I remember the previous game against uh Philly before the Atlanta game, Philly actually limited them to zero fast break points in the first half. Yeah, we kind of got a little bit more as the game went along. But you know, hey, this is the Raptors bread and butter. And while I would like to see them execute better on the in the half court and that's ultimately what's going to matter when you think big picture in the playoffs mm. and stuff like that, when you can get easy buckets like this, go. Just just
2: 100%. Um like just the comparison to last year, like I said, they were running a lot last year. They ran the second most often of any team, but they scored kind of middle of the pack on a per possession basis and coupled with their very bad half court offense, it led to a, you know, middling offense that kind of barely scraped by at 15th, 16th, seventeen throughout the year, which was Good because the transition propped it up just on volume alone. But this year, the difference is you know, the Raptors right now have the number four offense in the NBA, and it's because they are running down the other team's throat and scoring so efficiently in the half court or sorry in transition that it's balancing out their their half court offensive struggles which it's a little bit better than it was last year in terms of the half court as it stands right now not like markedly better but it's a little bit better i think you know pascal siakam doing what he's doing um you know the improved shooting that's helped matters there but they're just kind of gaming the system and thinking and look i don't think this is all that crazy a thing for them to sort of fixate on and say hey this is gonna be our thing you know I think I've been thinking a lot about this because Mike Prada has a book out. I haven't read the book yet, Spaced Out, but Mike Prada, former guest of this podcast, maybe I'll get him on sometime soon to talk about his book, but he wrote a book called Spaced Out, and he's been on a bunch of podcasts I listened to recently digging into sort of the concept of the book. It's about the three-point revolution, but the big thing that he's sort of citing in there is that Really, what the three-point revolution is about is there's just more space for guys to operate in. You take the size of the court, you expand the dimensions of where people are playing, and you don't add extra players. That's going to change the way the sport operates. And to me, the sort of next natural step in sort of the the whole concept of, well, threes are worth more than twos, so let's try to get those threes. The other thing, too, is that transition points, transition possessions, are worth way more than any other half court possession in the game. So it stands to reason that if you prioritize getting those possessions, you're probably going to do pretty well in the math game. And you also are working with a lot of space in transition, right? That's the whole thing with sports. Every single sport is an exercise in trying to get players into space so they can do cool things because they're crazy athletes. And the Raptors seem to be really prioritizing, yeah, we're going to run the ball, get in the open court because that's where our guys are going to make hay. And they're doing it. Like I said, they're scoring the most efficient points per play in the NBA so far. 152.3 uh, offensive rating in transition for for them so far, just ahead of the Pelicans. Uh, the Pelicans have the 21st frequency, ranked frequency in the NBA. The Raptors are first. The The Raptors are getting out in transition on 21.8% of plays. The next highest in the league is Portland at 18.5%. It's staggering how much they're running. And the last two games are juicing those stats for sure, but this has always been a thing they want to do. And it just kind of, it feels like the Raptors have always said, we want to be ahead of the curve. We want to be the team that's kind of on the frontier of stuff, and maybe they're just on the frontier of realizing, oh, if you get in the open court, you're going to win basketball games because no one can stop you. Maybe this is too high a a sort of thing to be heaping onto the Raptors as their grand philosophy after a win over a team that stinks, but uh, what are your thoughts on them kind of focusing in on this, And, and do you think it's sustainable for them to rely on transition to be such a huge part of their offensive formula over the course of a full season
3: i think this style will work per- perfectly fine in the regular season it's yeah. just a, it's just the playoffs when you know a team plays you over and over again and mm-hmm. you know what your tendencies are and they're going to be like okay make sure you get out on the break on defensively and you know maybe a team that plays at a slow pace who likes to like bring it inside like i mentioned philly before where i'm pretty sure i I'm pretty sure they play at one of the slowest places in the league. I haven't seen the numbers updated over the last couple of days, but at some point last week they were last in pace. And yeah, that's they're from, always you know, last. They were last
2: yeah. last year too. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. And so uh, and obviously that comes from Harden. You know he likes to isolate, do his thing, which eats the eats the shot clock, and then you know they try to find and beat. So against a team like that, I already mentioned before, there was that second game where they limited the Raptors to zero. Uh, fast break points in the first half Mm -hmm. so it depends on who you play a team that likes to get out then obviously you can take advantage of that more and and obviously this is a great strategy to go to in a regular season. it's a great strategy to go to anytime i'm just Mm -hmm. saying that in terms of uh, sustainability it depends on who you're playing when it really matters to 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 know how much they can go on the break and obviously the better defensive you play they're big on deflections and things like that to wreak havoc, the more of those you get, the more of you can actually run. So, you know, there's 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 quite a few factors that go into it.
2: Absolutely. Um, You know, I I think reasons why I think it could be sustainable over the course of this season and then even in the playoffs, like there are some ways in which they could kind of still work it. And reasons I feel kind of optimistic early on here. Number one is the steals like that feels like something that they're always going to be able to generate in some quantity just because uh, there's dudes everywhere with arms knocking balls free and digging down and uh, you know, if OG's just gonna have five steals every night, then yeah, that's gonna drive that that, that transition yeah, totally. game. Totally. Um, and they're also right now leading the NBA in defensive rebounding percentage. Uh, or they were as of last night. I think before a couple of games finished up, so that might have changed. But they, they're, yeah, they're they're, they're they're the offensive glass totally dried up. They're bottom ten right now in offensive rebound rate. But they're leading the league in defensive rebounding. And if you are crashing the defensive glass with the fervor they did last year on the offensive glass. And using that to, you know, play football offense where Scotty Barnes is throwing leakout passes to dudes, like that feels like a way to kind of drive that a little bit yeah. more than even what they what they were doing last year, where they were kind of gaming the system the opposite way. I think our pal yeah. Lewis Zatzman kind of pointed it out. They're still a game in the possession game. It's just a different sort of flipped on its head version. Actually, which is kind enough, of nuts. That's a
3: that's a that's an interesting flip there. Yeah. Like last again, year, last year they were they were like right behind Memphis in terms of uh, offensive. Yeah. So for sure.
2: Yeah, and, and I mean, look, it's eight games, right? It's, yeah. it's still tiny samples, but it's 10% of the season. Like, we're starting to get to the point where we can kind of look at this stuff and maybe see some trends developing here. Um, Pretty interesting stuff. And to the point of the defense, we should talk about that. We're going to get to that in just a sec. We're going to dig into how good the defense has been. Um, And also kind of a thing I'm feeling about how Pascal Siakam has not had to be a monstrous defender, and that's because everyone else is a monster around him and why that's good. We'll get to that in one sec here. But first... I want to tell you, better our friends over at Prize Picks who have made daily fantasy sports super easy, super fun, super accessible for me. Not a person who really ever plays fantasy sports, daily fantasy sports. I'm in no fantasy leagues except for the fast fast break breakfast, uh, the negative fantasy basketball league where you have to draft bad players and you get rewarded for bad things. That's really all I dabble in, but. I do like what Prize Picks offers. It's just super easy. You can p- get two to five players from any sport into an entry on a given night, and you're just picking whether they're going to get more or less than their projections. And if you're right, you can win it to 10 times on any single entry, 10 times your money, that is. Uh, it's, it's just fantastic. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. For example, go take... Pascal Siakam to get more than whatever the projection for his assists is because he's just throwing assists and dimes all over the place. That seems like a pretty easy place to pick up some bucks. Save uh, safe and fast withdrawals as well, and they're operational in over 30 states and Canada, which is very exciting. Download the Prize, pack, prize Picks app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code LOCKED ON. That's all one word, LOCKED ON. Again, if you put in $100, bucks, they are going to match that with 100 bucks. poof, into your account. What a great deal. Don't forget the promo code LOCKEDON at sign up. That's an instant deposit match of 100 bucks over at
0: prizepicks.com. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
2: And we continue. Your first listen of the day here with Jamar Hines digging into the Raptors' uh, just complete demolition of the sand. The poor Spurs, Jamar. Rough stuff. Rough stuff without Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell, but I guess this is kind of what they want. Um, they They want to be having Romeo Langford play heavy minutes for them, I guess. God, it's dark. Uh, let's get to the defense for the Raptors, which as it stands right now, in addition to the Raptors being the number four offense in the league on NBA.com, they're also the number eight defense in the league and have been steadily climbing over the course of the last week or so here with their recent performances. Uh, they're good and they're nasty and they turned the ball over a bazillion times on the other on the other team. Um, let's talk about O.J. Ananobi, who had five steals again last night, leads the NBA in steals so far this year. At, steals plus blocks he's at 3.9 a game he's kind of doing it all uh the best i think we've seen from him over an extended stretch defensively to start the year probably um he said last night that he wants to be the defensive player of the year very wordy quote from him by his standards uh (laughs) so jamar um thoughts on the way og has started the season defensively then we can kind of carry it to some other guys as well and how it's affecting one pascal siakam but thoughts on og first i
3: love the campaign. Uh, yep,
2: let's let's start have, it, man. Guys have <laughs> had
3: to speak up for themselves because, you know, in past seasons, um, media wasn't really noticing. Where yeah. You know, past seasons where they should have had a guy on the defensive team. They've only mm-hmm. had one defensive selection ever in franchise history, and that was Kawhi back in um, 2019, second team. Yeah, when
2: he was sure. like the fifth best defender on that right. team. <laughs> and
3: that was more so a reputation one. Hundred percent. Right? So, yeah, yeah, it, it's crazy. He won.
2: He got that spot just with the the blind steal on Jimmy Butler in that one I game. It's that like, oh, I yeah, mean... there you go. All defense, it's fine.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I remember that very well. And it's funny you bring that up because OG had a couple of it wasn't like a blind, but he had yeah. a couple of steals this game where it's like he just it was like claw like where he just reached out in the passing lane and just grabbed the ball. Mm-hmm. And um, I just I love how outspoken OG's been about this. It's not the first time he's he's mentioned defense and his aspirations, whether it be all defense team or be the uh make the be the defensive player of the year. It's the first time he said that he thought he thinks that he is the best defensive player in the league. So yeah. I just love the ambition. You know, Pascal has been hyping OG up every chance he gets about how he could be defensive player of the year. You've seen Scotty talk about, you know, his aspirations to make that defensive team so yeah, it's all there. And 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 Obi started this game right away. First possession of the game, he he, mm-hmm. he he jumps the passing lane, gets a steal, throws it down the other way, and that was basically the tone of the game. I I I feel OG started that with that play there, and then like we talked about in the previous segment, that kicks off their fast break so much more because there's times where he gets he just gets the ball and that ball's gone right away, and yeah. Um, what 11 steals over the last two games so yeah, oh, that, yeah
2: so
3: <laughs> that that'll work that'll work for sure
2: yeah um for the raptors over our contest we do before the year with Vec and Ball. i was uh, laughed at when i said og was going to lead the raptors and steals and i'm feeling pretty good about that one <laughs> right now um and I think it goes beyond OG. I mean, he's been just in- incredible and he's like their ace in the hole. He can go and guard Trey young, if you need him to, he can go down and guard bigger guys. He's obviously going to be one of their two options on all the best wing scores there are out there, but it goes beyond OG. Like, I think Scotty Barnes has made, like, real tangible improvements defensively this year. He's protecting at the rim pretty well uh, compared to where he was last year. And I think he's being asked to kind of be that help defender at the rim a little bit more often. Um, And and I think because those two guys have kind of taken up the mantle, like, okay, yeah, we'll be the ones who guard Trey Young. We'll be the ones who, you know, play a little bit more help defense. You know, we'll, we'll sort of drive the transition game with our steals and deflections. Obviously, Fred does this as well, and Trent gets the steals too. But it's all leaving Pascal Siakam to not have to do so much on defense. And I feel like that is really, really important to what's been going on in the early part of the year for him. You know, think of last year where it was just routine for him to be cleaning up messes constantly. All right, there's a breakdown over here, missed rotation, there's a drive, I got to come over and help and block. Um, You know, he he just was doing so much. He was covering just about as much ground as anybody in the NBA every single night. And, And it just obviously it's going to take a burden on you and it's going to tax your body and it's going to make it so everything is a little, just a little bit more difficult. You're walking through mud just a little bit more than you would be if you didn't have to expend all that energy. And so far this year, like, again, he's not being asked to have to be that back line of defense all the time. Barnes is doing that effectively. OG's making it so no one's even getting to the damn rim. Uh, and then you have like Christian Coloco playing pretty regular minutes back there. Ken Birch is getting some run. And all of a sudden, Pascal's just kind of out there playing free safety. And, you know, he can obviously hang on defense on a switch or, you know, slide over to make a help side block if he needs to. But he's not having to do it as like a core function of the defense anymore. And that, I think, is super valuable. Just to back this up, you know, this season so far, he's contesting 5.1 field goals a game inside six feet. He's contesting 4.6 threes a game. Last year, it was 6.6 contested inside the paint, 6.23s a game. So just there, that's three less contests just in those two areas per game. That's going to add up over the course of a season, considering how much ground he has to cover. What are your thoughts on the way the defense is kind of suited now so Siakam doesn't have to be the be-all, end-all, and having him as like your fourth or fifth guy just kind of hanging out on defense, like that feels like a problem for everybody else, too.
3: Yeah, no, I love Pascal in the uh, free safety role because, I mean, he has, every year, he has elevated offensive responsibility. Yeah. And it's, as much as you want players to go full-blown balls out on both sides of the ball, you have to save some energy somewhere. And if yeah. Pascal is going to be the main offensive option and the main facilitator, he can not be the main defensive guy as well. So mm-hmm. I, I like his ability ability to roam and you know plug up whatever needs to be plugged. Um, and OG mentioned Scotty after the game about just the way he picks guys up full court sometimes mm-hmm. even, and that just that's contagious throughout the whole team. It's like he gets the defensive possession started. You saw this a lot with Trey where he was picking an up picking the picking him up before he gets to half court and -hmm. then that alone was taking seconds off the clock and bogging down atlanta's offense so i'm really impressed with what i've seen with scotty lately um you mentioned him contesting more at the rim but yeah he's kind of been that everywhere type of guy Mm -hmm. the same way og has been and then you mentioned Coloco. This is obviously the first time in a while that they've had a seven footer at the rim that can contest some shots. So, you know, you're seeing him do that a handful of times a game. So yeah, the defense is in a is in a great spot right now. And you say that they're fourth, and obviously this is a short sample size, but considering who they've played, I don't think that's gonna go down. If anything, yeah. that's gonna go up. So yeah, it's 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 really it's really great to see. And I really love the fact that pascal doesn't have to do as much as he has he used to defensively but when he can obviously you know it's his the ability yeah. is there
2: yeah he's like the the greatest break glass in case of emergency ace defender you could imagine it's like it's 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 kind of unfair honestly that he can just be like the guy oh well he's switched on now okay fine i guess that's hell for the guy he's switched on to anyway Funny. um like congrats on the switch you've achieved offense <laughs> uh Just, yeah, to your point, I think we're probably going to see the numbers get a little bit more out of control in the coming weeks here. Uh, The Mavericks tomorrow, that'll be a tough game for sure. And then you get Bulls, Bulls, Rockets, Thunder, Pacers, Pistons as the next set of games. And you get Heat Hawks. A
3: lot of turnovers.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to, like, we're going to get to 20 games and the Raptors numbers, I don't think are going to look all that different than they do right now on the the strength of these couple of games. If things kind of keep on rolling as they have. And man, I, Getting pretty bullish. By the way, we're talking about campaigns. Uh Pascal Siakam right now averaging 26, 10, and eight. Uh has any no one's ever won most improved player twice in their career. Uh well should we start that campaign right now, Jamar? Is that crazy? Sure. Yeah,
3: sure, <laughs> why not? I feel like there's a there's a there's a lot of there's a handful of guys whose numbers have elevated like like crazy. Yeah. I and mean, we Calvin Johnson is one of them who didn't get to play in this game. Yeah, yeah for sure. By, and Devin, up Devin up. Vassell. Yeah. Devin Vassell. You have, she- you have Shea averaging 30 points a game now. Yeah, There's so many people averaging 30 points. Uh, it's a lot. Offense, <laughs> offense is definitely up this year because normally, like the 30-point threshold, you may have one or two guys averaging that.
1: And right yeah. now,
3: it feels like there's like 10. It's like
1: yeah. I've,
3: yeah. Seen, I've seen guys average like 28 points a game, and they're like 12th in the league i'm just like what and obviously we're playing luca we're playing luca and um, tomorrow and he's he's on a tear he's averaging like over 36 a game i think he's had 30 points in every single game i don't know about yeah. last night because i didn't i didn't catch what the math did last night but games before that he had 30 points in every single game so yeah uh, it hasn't been done since jordan in the 80s at, to this point. <laughs>
2: yeah the nice but- test for the raptors defensively for sure Absolutely. Right now, they're the number one offense in the league at 119 points per 100. Uh, by the way, the last place offense in the league, It is. it does feel like offense is up across the board. There's 22 teams averaging a better than 110 net ra- offensive rating. Oh, uh, the L.A. Lakers, a 100.3, 19 points less per 100% so they can't, they can't than the Cavs. Shoot. Oh, they stink. Yeah, they're, they're, they stink out loud. Uh, they're terrible. <laughs> We're going to continue on. We're going to get into the good, the bad, and the hmm from this game. And, uh, look, there's not a whole lot of bad. So I'm just going to scold some people coming up in that part of this uh, of the show. Oh uh, I know what's coming digging. Hell yeah. We're going to get to that in one sec. But first, just a reminder Locked on Leafs every single day is breaking down the Toronto Maple Leafs and their ups and downs. They won last night. Yay. John Taylor scored a hat trick. Yay. Everything's fixed. Yay. Mike and Dave over on Locked on Leafs. Go check them out each and every day on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube.
1: No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. file with 100% accuracy, and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guaranteed details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. All right, Jamar.
2: The good the bad, and the, hmm, the segment everybody's talking about. They can't get enough of it. Uh, Let's get to the good. There's lots to choose from in this one. Uh, I will put it to you first. What's your good from the 43-point bludgeoning of the Spurs?
3: Well, yeah, there's so much good. But, um, <laughs> All it's hard, of it? It's hard, gestures it's broadly? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, you could say that. And it's, it's hard <laughs> to narrow down. And for me, for me, I am a very indecisive person. Um, people laugh at me because I have two NFL teams, the Panthers and the Bengals. <laughs> like Steve Smith and Chad Johnson were my favorite players. So it's like I can't pick, so I just pick both of them. So in <laughs> typical fashion, anybody who knows me is going to laugh at this. In typical fashion, I'm going to pick two things. OK, again, I'm going to give a shout out to two bench players, Chris Boucher and Delano Benton. I think, OK, first of, first of all, with Ben, I feel like he had his best game of the season because, you know, it's been pretty spotty so far after coming. off Definitely. An awesome, it's been coming off an awesome preseason. Uh, he made three three pointers in this game, which is a career high. He had never mm-hmm. done that. And that's just going to elevate his ability to play. Um, as a floor spacer, because you know, if they're gonna go with these crazy lineups, which they did a lot of yesterday, by the way, yeah, there was yeah. some
2: uh, kooky stuff going on. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and having an Otto Porter Jr., we should mention as well, back that just makes it even more possible to have these type of lineups. You're having lineups with like Benton, Siakam, Porter, Boucher. Uh, Birch or a Chua and it's just like holy crap this is yeah obviously exactly what they want with this vision six nine type thing but yeah just seeing Benton make shots and not only just make the shots but he looked good in rhythm shooting them yeah I it's just gonna that's just gonna get you more floor time man and I know that he's been working on that especially with the 905 last year where Nurse told him he had to shoot a certain amount of threes a game and he was getting them up so you know to see them to see, you know, some success coming out of that. You know, if he, if he goes on a precious, like tear last season, that'd be crazy. But yeah, I just want to give uh, Ben a shout out on that. And then secondly, Boucher, I'm just really happy for Boucher because at this point last year, he was in a funk. Nick Nurse was calling him out, like, seemed like every three games and he was getting benched sometimes. And it's just he just gets it now, man. Because he yeah. was at a point where I, uh, the the Tampa version of Boucher I think got to his head a little bit, where he just came in the game looking to launch threes. And yeah. He wasn't <laughs> he wasn't hitting them, and if um you know if that uh, that uh, went to other parts of his game where he wasn't you know. Running the floor, or he wasn't defending, or he wasn't rebounding, and yeah, Nurse rightfully called him out. And you know, Nurse could be pretty blunt with this type of stuff,
0: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> like compared to other coaches, where if you're if you're playing like crap, he'll let you know. And then you know, it was getting to Boucher a little bit because he even responding to people on Twitter last year. So just to see him come in a game, he knows exactly what his role is. Yes, I still consider you know some of the shots he makes. A, from from three-point range. He made three shot. He's he made three threes in this game as well, I think. But I mm-hmm. still consider that some of a, of a bonus. But just him being an being so active, you know, another guy that gets deflections, gets on the break, and he's probably the best offensive rebounder on the team, I wanna say. Yeah. And yeah, just being a presence everywhere. And it's just it's just so good to see him In his role, knows exactly what he needs to do every game. It's so consistent now. And honestly, if we had Boucher back uh, earlier, like that first game in Miami could have used him so badly. Oh, yeah. Probably could have been a win. So, yeah, he's been the best player off the bench since he's been back. And it's just it's just really great to see. And
2: I hope it continues we'll continue the through line of uh starting award campaigns 8 games into the season. Sixth man of the year Chris Boucher. What are we doing? He drives winning like a monster. Yeah, it's 17-8 two, uh two steals a block 7 to 10. Like he he's he is like one of the three most reliable players on the team in that I feel like I know what I'm getting Chris Boucher getting from Chris Boucher every single night. It's like and him that never used to be the case never it was like maddening he was I mean I've had many moments with Chris Boucher where I was like is this guy an NBA player and then he does amazing things and last year I was very much on the all right I guess you're trading him at the deadline or something you're not keeping him around you're not signing him to a new deal when it's up and then totally flips it on its head and now he it's like him Pascal and Scotty who I'm like I know what I'm getting from those guys every night it's it's crazy. He, he's just amazing. And he, he was also my good, I should say. We're on the same page there. Uh, let's go to the bad. I'm going to go first here. And look, I, I actually haven't seen a whole lot of this. There's a little bit in the YouTube comments sometimes, whatever. There's a little bit of reply guy stuff that sometimes goes on when you talk about Fred Van Vliet. But my bad <laughs> is any notion that the Raptors are better without Fred Van Vliet. Yes, they have won the last two games over a completely embarrassing, miserable Spurs team and a Hawks team that I don't actually think is all that good and has like six NBA players and is especially prone to what the Raptors do defensively. Like, yeah, you won those games. Awesome. Uh, Friendly, still incredibly important for a multitude of reasons. One. He is probably the quarterback of the defense. You saw last night, before things kind of figured themselves out as the game went along, like, they were a mess defensively in that first quarter, and Fred Van Vliet is usually the guy who's calling stuff out. He's he's dictating the action from the top of the arc. Like, he, he's really, really essential to what they do on defense. The communication is key. Uh, he's one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. He might be the best catch-and-shoot three-point shooter in the NBA, given the year. He's amazing. Him and Pascal Siakam form one of the most efficient two-man games in the entire league, and it's the reason why their crunch time offense for the last two seasons has kicked ass. It's really, really good when those two guys combine on a play because of all the threatening things that they do. And it's just, it's maddening to me, Jamar, that there's any notion that, well all these guys are better than we thought. Must go and train one of the good players now because having too many good players is a problem? I don't get it. It makes no sense to me, and I frankly don't like that I'm entertaining it on the podcast here, but I've just seen a little bit too much of it for my liking in the various corners of Raptors, Internet, and Fandom and I, we gotta stop it. Fred VanVleet's incredible. You bring it back to this team. You get Otto Porter up to speed. Like, why can't this team go on some crazy run this year with like the talent they have, with the way they play, the the fact that it could be a regular season wins machine? They're all of those things in large part because Fred VanVleet is awesome. Rant over, Jamar. What say you? you do you want to trade him?
3: <laughs> um, no, I, I have some points to make about this because I knew this was coming because we talked about it last night. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel I'm on Twitter a lot. And I feel... (laughs) I'm sorry for your misfortune. (laughs) It's a blessing and a curse. But I feel Raptors Twitter always has one target. Yeah. You know, just like, okay, how do we get rid of this guy? You know, a couple of seasons ago, it was Pascal that got major disrespect. Mm -hmm. I feel like in the offseason, everybody was trying to see what they could get for Gary Trent Jr., who's Mm -hmm. in an amazing scoring rhythm, who had the quietest... What 24, or I don't know how many points he he's has.
2: second on the team in scoring right now.
3: Like second on the team in scoring, and I just love how natural it is. Isn't like he's not forcing anything? Yeah, and then, yeah, that's why yesterday when they mentioned on the broadcast he had 20 something points, I'm like, he does. It's yeah. just, it, it was just so rhythm, and I love that. But back to the point. Now it feels like the target's spread. And I, I saw some tweets too where it's like, are we going to address the elephant in the room? <laughs> it's like, what elephant?
2: Is- yeah. Oh, the other, they have <laughs> another really good player who's unavailable at the moment and will be added back to the mix and make them really good even I, I more so? Like- yeah.
3: <laughs> I feel like, I mean, and it's not just Raptors fans or anything like that. I feel like this is the classic old debate where somebody's out, they play a certain way, they may have success, and then all of a sudden, in any sport, you get that conversation.
2: It's Are back at quarterback lust, yeah.
3: Hey, man, <laughs> listen, you want a point of reference? You want a point of reference? When the Warriors were missing Kevin Durant here and there, and even in the playoffs, and so especially when they swept Portland before you know they got to the finals and the Raptors played them, yeah, there is that conversation. Are the Raptors are, are are the Warriors better without Kevin Durant? So I mean, yeah. this is said everywhere. It's dumb, but yeah. it's just it's just a topical conversation, and uh, we're gonna get to my bad now. And obviously, there's nothing this game that the Raptors I can think of that did bad. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna get to something you tweeted about during the game yesterday. Oh, the Spurs in game music. Yeah! Oh my god, dude! Oh my god! Okay, now I will give them credit. It got because you know a lot of times I don't get to watch these games in real time. I'm like Mm -hmm. because I'm I'm working I'm working at TSN at the same time during the games going on. So I don't get to go to these games until like two o'clock. I watched this game at sure. four, four o'clock in the morning last night. So you know, it, it, it's You're know, a sicko and
2: we love you for it.
3: it it's it's <laughs> fun to see everybody's reactions. And then I kind of have a slanted, slanted way of looking at these games. And then, yeah. I, and then I'll see, I'll either agree or disagree and see how things play out. But mm-hmm. man, when this game started, like at the first, I want to say the first six minutes, I don't know what the hell they were playing. And it was just mm-hmm. like some of it was like some like like disco or some <laughs> I'm
2: like, like
3: I'm like <laughs> and it's like um, I don't know if it, whoever's watched next Friday there is this scene where this guy it was like I can't get jiggy with this shit <laughs> 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 just like that's what I felt. like I'm like oh man this is weird and it's not a surprise to me it's not a surprise to me because. Um, this is San Antonio. It's not a Texas mm-hmm. thing because Houston and Dallas don't do this. But this mm-hmm. is totally San Antonio. I've watched the Spurs for years in the Manu, Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, Prides. And sometimes during their biggest moments, I don't know what the hell they're playing. Yeah. They play the most random music during the edit Pour
2: some sugar on me or something like that. Yeah. It's
3: <laughs> real, man. It's weird it's their thing. I don't know the backstory behind that. I don't know who the DJ is, but so it's some some sometimes it's so off-putting where they're just it's everybody else and then it's dispersed. sometimes mm-hmm. I just don't know what the hell they're playing but yeah that's my bad I I mean I, I had to find something and it's not going to be Raptors related so that's my bad.
2: No, I I do like that the bad part has become a stomping ground for just dumping on other teams. It's been it's kind of. I don't of what want the,
1: it to be that way.
2: Well, I kind of do, this, but.
3: Uh. <laughs> well, this is totally this is totally warranted because it was just funny to see your tweet and I and I I wasn't watching the game at the moment and literally the first possession when over yeah. got the steal, I'm like, holy crap, what is this?
2: It's just <laughs> it's not even just that the music choices are bad or lame. It's that it's so loud. Like I feel like it's like. When you're playing a video game or something and it's like a tense moment and you're like there's like a countdown or something and it's like I got to get this thing done before the thing explodes like that's basically what every single half court possession feels like uh, when the when the, and maybe that's by design, maybe the Spurs are trying to stress out the people who are playing the game, I just know it stressed me out uh, more than anything else. Um Let's go to the hmm very quickly to round up the shows. We're running a little bit long. My hmm, Jamar, is uh, Otto Porter Jr. Uh, like, got to see him a little bit. It was like, hmm, Otto Porter Jr. on the team. That's fun. Uh, he didn't play a ton. Just, what was it, 11 minutes or something like that? He had five points, three boards, two steals, hit a three, got to the line once. Um, and I just, my hmm is kind of just tied to, I am excited to see intrigued to see what this all looks like once he's kind of ramped up because you would assume he's going to play more than 11 minutes on a regular night just Mm -hmm. he he brings like this aura of adulthood to the court like he was out there with the garbage time guys in the fourth quarter and it was just like yeah no there's there's the dad on the floor uh Mm -hmm. kind of directing traffic he
3: literally just became a dad yeah
2: it's he's he's living the he's living it all um so yeah what were your thoughts on porter and what is your hmm to round things out
3: Yeah, obviously, you're going to see Porter get more minutes. And speaking of minutes, I got to say you were right, because I think the last time I was here, Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about, um, you know, who's going to be the odd man out in terms of minutes per game. And uh, that, at that point, wasn't really played in the preseason. And you, you mentioned him, and I was like, you know, he's old, it's preseason. (laughs) <laughs> i'm sure he'll play more and he's had quite a few dmp cds and he's yeah he's he's mentioned that he was surprised about you know his role so far so i gotta give you a shout out on that but back to back to porter it's interesting uh his first points as a raptor Came in the post. He drove foul in the post, and I didn't. Auto know he poster
2: junior. I wrote in my yeah. notes. Yeah, I didn't know
3: he <laughs> was a guy who posted up. I, I don't recall seeing that. I've seen obviously. I I know he's a he's a three and D guy. You know, catch and mm. shoot type of guy. But I'm don't remember him posting up so that was interesting i want i want to see if um he does a little bit more i don't know if he's even good at it so yeah
2: it did just feel like all right let's get Otto a look here because he's been yeah. kind of standing around for a few minutes let's we'll just it did, do something for him
3: that was just a weird place for me to see him but we'll see uh in terms of my hmm i don't want to make you mad but <laughs> I would like I would like to see when Fred comes back they push the ball the way that they've been pushing the ball the last couple of games. Sure. Uh because yeah. uh the, the Fred Fred brings it up a little bit slower and that and then obviously the Raptors the, the quicker the pace the better the Raptors play and mm-hmm. I've noticed Scotty when he's you know been initiating the break and playing point as soon as he catches the ball he's gone. So mm-hmm. I would like to – that's the one thing that I would – the one criticism, if you will, that I would like to see from Fred. I would love to see him push the pace a little bit more when he gets the ball. And, you know, obviously with Fred, that provides a pull-up option from three if guys mm-hmm. don't get to him right away. Um, I don't know what his pull-up numbers are. I know his I know his catch and shoot numbers are great, but I don't Mm -hmm. know what his pull-up numbers are. But I feel like that could be even a part of the offense we saw for years. Kyle loves to walk into threes in transition, like Mm -hmm. like Alachati Phillips, who was his mentor, and used to do that. So I feel like Fred could do that too in transition, or just you know, find guys on the break and stuff like that. So that's the one thing I'm paying attention to, where it's like it's been kind of an eye opener. You know, in the la- in the last two games, albeit considered the opponents, but I mentioned at the start of, start of this uh, pod about how their shot attempts have been way up over the last couple games. Mm-hmm. And you know, as as Fred comes back, I just want to I, I just want to do a little comparison and, and see the numbers in that way. I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying anything crazy. I'm just saying I just say yeah. I want that pace to keep up when he's in, when he's in the game.
2: No, it's a well taken point, and I do think that you know. If anything, these two games, I think, should probably have given Nick Nurse even more of a green light to sort of set Fred up to go off ball more often. Like, Scotty Barnes, we haven't really talked about Scotty much. He looks so good. He is, like, attacking with, like, this, like, quickness and this force He's got like his head's on a swivel at all times. He's on like four no looks a game. He looks incredible he looks and very passes. much ready. Yeah,
3: yeah. He's like, he's do, he's doing that classic star thing where he's handling the ball and mm-hmm. there's there's a there's a shooter in the corner and he just zips that thing where like Luka or LeBron or so he
2: just zips that fastballs, thing. He had, man. Yeah, he had a it's, number
3: of those type of passes and whether yeah. they make the shot or not, that doesn't matter. It's the fact that he can he can create open shots like that. And yeah. the division and everything, I I I've loved what I've seen from Scotty in these last couple games.
2: Yeah, he looks. I I feel like he's kind of had this sort of all season this sort of extra pop to to his drives and his creation game. Um, and again, you know, again, it, I'm not it's not to say that the Raptors look. The Fred Van Vliet thing, he, he's important. He, they need him on the team. They look different without him in there, for sure. That's not to say it's worse or better or whatever, but I do think that it's very clear. Scotty Barnes should be handling the ball a lot in addition to Pascal Siakam, and if that frees you up to have Fred Van Vliet working off ball like the guy he is, and obviously he can run some possessions here and there when you need some guys getting rest or whatever it is, or you want to slow things down for, for a particular reason, you want to spam that Fred Pascal two-man game like you can, but Scotty very clearly to me should be handling the ball a ton. And that's maybe a thing we've learned from these two games without yeah. Fred is yeah. The, 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 Fred off ball stuff that we've already seen, like his shots are down his, his patients down, but that's also good. Um, but like we need him, my off ball a little bit more. I think we've got to continue to see that migration because Scotty with the ball in his hands gets me excited every single time. My wife keeps on thinking I'm hurt or like in distress because she'll be in the next room. Scotty will throw a, 50 foot no look bullet pass and i'll be like <gasps> and she's like are you okay i'm like yeah just study again don't worry uh <laughs> it's it's wild um jamar this was fun man thanks so much for popping on i did not think we'd get 45 no minutes of content out of this game but there's a lot to, to dig into, into a yeah. lot to be yeah. excited about um anything you would like to promote for the good people right now
3: yeah uh my handle if you're listening it's jamar j-a-m-a-r-b-h jamar b-h uh, that's my twitter handle i have a link to my raptors republic stuff i'm going to be writing a recap of the mavs game on friday um and then an, a, pre, a preview of the second bulls game on monday so I, I know those for sure uh so you know check that out when you see it but yeah um, i i am very excited to see this this mavs game I did not know that they had the top offense, so this this is a this is a great test, and it's this is a clash of styles too, because the totally. way that the way that Luka operates, I'm pretty sure that the Mavs are are, are bottom tier in pace as well, versus mm-hmm. the Raptors who are trying to push to push the pace. So I'm I'm really excited at the, the 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 schemes that we're gonna throw at Luka, the length that they're gonna throw at Luka. I'm really interested in this matchup. It feels like a clash of styles and those are those are the type of um matchups I like to see to see, you know, which which type which style pans
2: out. Who plays to who? Yeah. OG and Scotty given Doncic nightmares all night what a what a delight that would be to see his 30 point streak come to an end at the hands of the Raptors it might be the most predictable thing of all time uh but also will be quite satisfying I think to see Mm -hmm. if that is in fact what they can do I mean Doncic is pretty insane so there's no guarantees there by any means um Guaranteed that shows with Jamar are fun, though. Jamar, this is great. Thanks so much for coming on, dude. We'll talk to you again in a couple weeks. Uh, you can find me at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe, follow, rate, review the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube for the video every day. Uh, and you can subscribe to Post Touches, my Raptors Substack newsletter. I'll be back tomorrow with another post, kind of digging into the trouble of trying to reassess your expectations after just two weeks and eight games. But I'm, like, finding myself, like, the the steamroller, the snowball going downhill of my Raptors optimism is really kind of gaining some steam here. And I am going to dig into that on tomorrow's uh, Post Touches post, so you can check that out. Also tomorrow, Alan Shane Lewis from the Great Canadian Baking Show. One of our faves is going to pop by. We're going to have a great chat. We're going to hand out due to the week. We're going to talk about pricing out the normies from raptors games and why that stinks and his thoughts on the team looking forward to that always a fun chat with alan thank you so much for tuning in we'll talk to you again on thursday go make your second listen of the day locked at nba there's probably some raptors propaganda on there from last night i can't believe why there wouldn't be either way go check them out and we'll talk to you on friday with another episode of locked on raptors bye -bye.